The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. The U.S. is a third world country, a cure for the COVID spike proteins, and gas-powered bicycles. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM, in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand, on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. I do appreciate it. And today I'm going to be talking about how the United States is being turned into a third world country right in front of our face. And it's very sad to see all of the people that have worked so hard to build this country into arguably the greatest nation that's ever been on the face of the earth and then we turn it over to the woke crowd and the transgenders and the one world government globalists and the satanists and the pedophiles and that are really i would say sour horrible fruits of allowing this to happen and i'm going to be talking about that primarily today i'll talk about several other things as well uh second half of the show i want to give an update on my experience with treating the symptoms of COVID after you have it, you kind of have the brain fog and you have the spike proteins that kind of linger in your body. And I did a few things to try to flush those out of my body. And I want to talk about that in the second half of the show. And I want to say a thank you to those who have contributed. I do appreciate that very much. 
because it takes you and your support to keep this show on the air. And I received a very nice letter from my friends in Missouri, and I really do appreciate the card. Very sweet and thoughtful. I appreciate it. And I want to address a couple of things in the letter as far as you're worried about my health because we cover a lot of toxic things. But after a while, it kind of gets to you. But I want to assure my listener that was concerned about that that all is A-OK there. I know how to naturally detox and unwind and enjoy life. I can find the greatest joy in a beautiful sunset or a pleasant sunny day or playing with my dogs or going out and scratching my old cows. But most important, when I lay down to go to sleep at night, I listen to very wholesome music and listen to the Word of God. And so I go to sleep each night. I recharge with the Word of God. And all day long, I take the time to smell the roses, watch the clouds go over, feel the nice breeze on my face. And so you don't have to worry about me getting overloaded. Because, believe me, when I feel that coming on, I know exactly how to throw that mood off. But I do appreciate your concern. And this person also wrote that they received a letter from the VA, and in the VA letter, they said they wanted to be inclusive, and also mentioned not to misgender people or do cat calls or stalk anybody or anything like that. And so they're putting misgendering someone in the exact same category as stalking. Can you believe that? Well, I guess we can in today's woke world. And I was watching some videos that were concerning the Ukraine war with Russia. And one was definitely propaganda that said that, quote, strongman Vladimir Putin and his faltering war effort in Ukraine. That's how he started his sentence. Strongman Vladimir Putin and his faltering war effort. If you call a whole generation of young Ukrainian men being ground up into hamburger on the battlefield to where Ukraine will never recover genetically from what's already happened, if you call that winning, I think you need a special test. Because I do pay attention to the Russian-Ukraine war. And believe me, Ukraine is not winning. And people that have no patience and have no strategic ability as far as to think strategically think that you go in and you just wipe them out fast and just boom, 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 get it done. Well, that gets you into trouble. And the Russians have always had a protocol that they just absolutely outlast their enemy in a war of attrition. And they just grind them up, put them in a meat grinder. And right now, Russia's strategy is breaking the West. Have you noticed our banks are failing? We're sending billions upon billions upon billions of dollars to fight a proxy war where we have no business at all being there, only to cover up Joe Biden's crimes and the Biden family, all the crimes they've committed over in Ukraine, the money laundering and the child trafficking and the drug running. It's all going to come out. And if you don't think that's not the reason why the United States government isn't fighting so hard for Ukraine, they don't care about Ukraine. They care about covering their own butts. And that's what they're doing with the blood of Ukrainians. And I think it's sickening. And then the propaganda media that lies to the American people and tells them, all is well. Ukraine is winning. They want everyone to fly Ukrainian flags. And I tell you what, the United States is the laughing stock of the world. Now, maybe not of the Western world. 
you see, over the last few decades, Americans have been taught to look down their nose at other cultures. Now they're trying to say you have to be inclusive. Unless you're a Russian, well, then you can't get on an airplane and you have your assets stolen from you. Or if you're from another country that, quote-unquote, is an enemy of the United States. And what has Venezuela done to the United States? And what did Russia do to the United States? They meddled in our election. No, Hillary Clinton made that up. No, you have to do some research and find out that the Democrat Party is the one that made up all of this Russia collusion type things to try to bring down Donald Trump. I think that it's ludicrous that that we point fingers at other countries and say they're meddling when we have the CIA and FBI and all these other agencies running amok all over the planet destabilizing governments. And I think that you probably have noticed that the United States has changed out from under us. It's no longer the country that we grew up in. It simply is not. And not only has it changed out from under we the people, it's changed out from under the rest of the world. And we see it, and the rest of the world sees it. And only the people that I would consider to be proxies or puppets of the United States, they're the only ones that are going along with all of this culture shift that is being pushed by the leftists and the globalists in Washington, D.C. And so in Australia and in Canada and New Zealand and all over Europe, you're going to see all sorts of transgender and all sorts of wokeism and all sorts of things that are ultimately going to bring these countries right down to their knees. Because all of this wokeism is all about pronouns and all about things that are very trivial and things that don't build a society, that don't build families, that don't build nations, that don't build roads, that don't build anything. And so our infrastructure is falling apart. And if you think that you're going to get a bunch of these woke young people to go fight a war, good luck with that. I talked to a woman who was from, I believe, Malaysia. And she had grandchildren that were still in Malaysia. And she wanted to show them the United States. And they flew into Denver, and she took them of a tour of Denver, and then she brought them into Nebraska and ended up in North Platte, Nebraska, where she lived, to show her grandchildren the United States. And she told me that she was so ashamed of the reactions of her grandchildren, because in Malaysia, their culture has stayed modern, all the buildings are fresh, new, the technology's up to date. They have mass transit, they have the high-speed trains, they have better bridges, better roads, better buildings. Their whole society is cleaner, newer, brighter. And they came to the United States, and one of them said, Grandma, what's wrong with this country? And then they started pointing out all the people on the streets and started pointing out the old buildings and the cracks in the sidewalks and the rickety roads and bridges and the little towns they saw that were run down. And they couldn't believe it. Said, Grandma, this is America? That's not what they thought it would be. They thought they were coming to the most wonderful place they'd ever been. But yet they left a very ultra-modern society. Now, I don't know about their government. I don't know how bad they are as far as controlling their people. But I do know that their infrastructure and everything is cleaner, better, brighter, than anything we have over here. And all you have to do is do some research 
as far as some of these huge Chinese cities and and also other countries in Asia, and then compare them to what you see in pictures of the United States and what you see through your own eyes as you drive to work every morning. Now, I know there's peasants and there's third world parts of these countries. I realize that. But you can't deny that they're striving to enter the 21st century well into the 22nd century to have the top technologies in the world. And you can see they're training their children, they're training their workforce. And what are we doing? You have to use the right pronoun or you're in trouble. Or in some cases, you get sued or fined or jailed, which is absolutely ludicrous. But what this is doing is it's turning our country into a third world country. And I think that's one reason why the government doesn't mind all these third world people that are crossing our southern border. We're adding millions of third world people into a country that's turning into a third world country. And if you think the United States is going to stay on top of anything, as far as on the good side of things, then you're very sadly mistaken. Our drug use is off the charts. Our whole banking system is on the verge of collapse. We have the most corrupt government in the history of the United States, and it's one of the most corrupt governments in the world today. And anytime someone speaks truth, like Tucker Carlson, they get the chop and they're gone. The justice system is now multi-tiered. I used to say it was two-tiered, but I think it's multi-tiered. That if you're an Obama or a Clinton or a Bush or someone like that, you can get by with anything. Especially if you're a Biden, you can get by with anything. Whereas if they saw you or me simply jaywalk, well, they would stop us and give us a ticket or fine us or something. And to see all of the law enforcement officers across the country watching all of this corruption and knowing full well that like the Hunter Biden laptop story was true, yet nobody does anything about it. Nothing at all. You have all of the classified documents that then Vice President Biden took from the White House and he's refusing to give a lot of that up, well, I guess that's okay because he's a Biden. And you can lie to Congress under oath all day, as long as you're a Democrat. But if you're not a Democrat, if you say one thing that they deem is a lie, even if it's just something you accidentally misspoke, well, you're going to get held in contempt and you're going to be fined or imprisoned. And let's never forget we have political prisoners right now in basically dungeons in Washington, D.C., and all of the train derailments, well, some of them are caused just because the infrastructure is so awful. And we've had over a thousand food processing plants and egg farms and similar type of businesses burn. Over a thousand of them have burned in the last two years. Everywhere you look, there's rot. Everywhere you look, there's decay. And they're trying to raise taxes. And right now you have people like Elizabeth Warren, who wants to tax people on their assets, tax them on their net worth, that's going to break everybody. That'll be the death knell of every family-owned business and every family farm, anybody that owns property, anyone that owns a house. Let's say that you inherit a $100,000 house, but yet you only make $12,000 a year. Well, they want to come in and tax you on that $100,000 house. How are you going to pay for it? Well, of course, you'll have to sell the house. Then you have people like BlackRock and 
other people that are insiders in our corrupt government that'll come in and swoop in and buy it for pennies on the dollar. They're trying to take the wealth and redistribute it. And of course, we're supposed to be all-inclusive unless you're white, unless you are a biological woman. Isn't that silly we have to say biological woman now because so many delusional men say they're women and we're supposed to believe them and use the right pronouns? Broadcasting from the United States of America, you are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I invite all of my listeners to go to my social media site, which is on VeteranBrigades.com. It's the only social media site that I trust, and you do not have to be a veteran to join. So go to VeteranBrigades.com, sign up, and look me up over there, and on that platform, I'm the Living Off-Grid Show, and I plan on doing lots of interactive things over there with you, my audience. So please go visit me at VeteranBrigades.com. All of this craziness is being seen by the entire world. And one of the reasons why the dollar is going to be ditched by all of these countries is that we have been putting sanction after sanction after sanction on countries all over the world, using our almighty dollar as a club, using it as a weapon. Then you have this absolute imbecile, Kamala Harris, going all over the world telling these small countries that if they want foreign aid from us, they have to be inclusive. They have to promote transgenderism. They have to go woke. Unfortunately, all of these countries are telling her to pound sand, and they're not going along with it. But you see, the world isn't going to go along with this ludicrousness. They just aren't. And also, every country knows that there's nothing behind our dollar. It's just a fiat currency. It's just paper, and in most cases, it's not even paper. It's just a number on a computer. It's just a digit. There's not even any paper to back up the figures that they have on the balance sheet. And most countries know this, and they realize it. And they know that if push comes to shove, they can be holding an empty bag. Because right now, the United States is nothing but a huge empty bag. We owe trillions of dollars. We'll never be able to pay off. And the United States is definitely at war against at least 50% of their citizens. And of course, that would be labeled hate speech. I'm not the one that's hating them. They're the ones that are hating me. And I see it, and I recognize it, and I call it out for what it is. During these Black Lives Matter riots, you had these young kids that were going up to older people saying, Your time is done. This belongs to us now. Well, young woke people. How's it working out for you? All of the big stores are starting to leave the cities because they can't keep the looters out. You have businesses going bankrupt left and right. You have a generation of drug-addicted, spoiled brats that absolutely have no future whatsoever, and they don't care. Now, I know there are some good young people. I'm not saying everyone, but I think that you have to admit that 
the generation that's embracing all this woke nonsense is never going to go down in history as the greatest generation. I can guarantee you that. They're more of a generation of destruction. And I wish it wasn't so. I wish that we had a way to put a stop to all this nonsense. Because it really needs to stop. Because that's part of the reason we're turning into a third world country. Is the fact that our schools aren't teaching anything worthwhile. And everything has to be socially acceptable and politically correct according to them. And by using the term them, I'm meaning the globalists and the Satanists. Then you have people like Bill Gates going out and saying that children are sexual beings. Of course, he's a big supporter of pedophilia. So we have things going on that are just awful all throughout this country. And everything that's not constructive is actually destructive. And that's why we're seeing our country just go down the drain so fast. And if someone points that out, well, they're targeted. Again, I use Tucker Carlson as my example. And so where does all this insanity stop? Does it stop? Well, I'm sad to say that it's not going to stop until it is stopped. But I don't think we, the people, have enough numbers or the willpower to actually put a stop to this. But what I do see happening is that our government pushes the wokeness so hard and uses the dollar as a weapon so hard that the entire world, all but the Western nations that are in the pocket of the United States, are going to turn on us. And they're going to make sure that the United States is the one that's isolated. We're going to turn into Germany in the 1920s and early 1930s, like the Weimar Republic. And all of the citizens who are woke, they'll be absolutely worthless and useless in trying to build a society. Because they're so busy trying to tear things down, they have no clue how to build anything. And so we're seeing the rest of the world march on through time. They've not only caught up to us, they've surpassed us. And all the politicians in Washington, D.C. are either frauds or corrupt or not intelligent at all. We have so many problems that could be fixed so easily. But there's nobody sane and nobody smart enough in Washington to actually address what needs to be addressed. It's like the gun violence in Chicago. It's always the gun's fault. But if you point out that young black men and women are being murdered in Chicago, well, that's racist. You can't point that out. Well, isn't that standing up for our black brothers and sisters, trying to save them from being murdered? That's the way I look at it. I would love for the murdering to stop in Chicago. But to stop that murder rate, you have to be realistic of what's going on. You have to acknowledge the problem to be able to fix it. But yet, if you say, there's a lot of gun violence among the black community in Chicago. Oh, you're a racist. How dare you? It's the gun's fault. No, it's not the gun's fault. The gun didn't pull its own trigger. I think it has to start in the home and also... I think that the school systems have let the inner city children down. I think all they've done is indoctrinate them and tell them that they're victims. There's very few young kids, black or white or, or Hispanic, that go through the inner city school system believing that they are worthwhile and can actually make a difference in the world. They just push them through. I see a lot of statistics where most of the children that graduate can't even read. So we're pushing all these people out into the street that have no education, 
They have no skill. They have no future as far as building a, what I would consider a quality life. All they know is the streets. And that's what needs to be addressed. It's not a race issue. It's not the color of their skin. But it's how whole communities have been let down. And that's a whole other topic. But it does fit in with the topic of this show that we are turning into a third world country. We're seeing things in the streets of our cities that are actually worse than what you would see in some cities in the third world. And I've noticed that most people that live in third world countries do have some sort of a skill, whether it be reconstructing a battery or repairing a tire or making flat pieces of tin out of oil barrels. Just anything for them to get by and make enough money to feed their family. But by and large, you don't see that ambition in the United States among the inner city. They would rather get a handout than go out and learn some sort of a skill. Now, I realize this show is pretty much a downer, and on the second half of the show, I am going to change gears a little bit. But it seems to me that we have to recognize that our country is in desperate trouble. And since our country's in desperate trouble, and I read a comment from one of the sites that I visited earlier today that echoed what I've been saying is that we're on our own and there's nobody going to come save us. And so I really believe that as the powers that be turn this into a third world country, there are things that we have to start doing to protect our money, protect our property, protect our families, protect our livelihood. I think that we really need to circle the wagons. And after the break, I'll pick up where I left off. I really need to know who's listening and where you're listening from, whether it's by shortwave or podcast or on AM or FM radio. Even if you just pop me an email and say hi, I would appreciate it. And as always, I invite listeners, give me some suggestions of topics that they'd like to hear me cover. I would really appreciate that. Once again, my email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Please visit the website, and the website is offgridliving.faith. And also, you can find links to even more information. Every one of my shows is uploaded on the website. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations. And we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off. It's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. This next song 
was recorded in 1902 by the Edison Military Band. America, bullied by the Edison Military Band. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. Replace despair with determination. And don't be afraid to rely on God and step out on the sea. You're listening to the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show with Jim Calhoun. Welcome to the second half of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is Jim Calhoun, and I really do appreciate you tuning in today. Well, I had quite a rant the first part of the show, but every once in a while I just have to get it out of my system. But I want to give a couple updates as far as I had COVID for a second time. Now, no, I didn't go to a doctor and get a swab and all of that because... I'm really proud to say that I never wore a mask one time, and not once did I let someone stick a Q-tip up my nose, because I had it pretty well figured out from the get-go that it was just nothing but a big control measure that they were putting on us. And I have to say that I'm not one that is easy to control. I'll do almost anything I'm asked to do, but if you tell me to do it, well, I stiffen up quite a bit. And as the old song says, we shall not be moved. And I wanted to give a shout out to those who are listening to me on all three shows I'm doing. I'm doing Truth to Ponder on Wednesdays. And of course, you're listening to this show, the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. And I have a music show called Harmony Barn Sessions. And I seem to have quite a few people who are tuning into all three. And I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, since the first half of the show was pretty much a rant, the second half of the show, I got to make up for that and give you some information. When I got COVID for the second time, I really did feel tired and weak and just run down, horribly run down. And I found out that that spike protein that you get when you contract COVID, and I got it from being shed on. There's vaccine shedding that goes on that is verified that it's happening. And I've got it twice. And I read that if you took NAC and bromelain together for about 10 days, that that would clear your body from these spike proteins. Well, I was willing to try anything, so and so I went ahead and bought enough for 
two or three bouts, because it seems like that once you catch this bioweapon, instead of building uh, resistance to it like, like a normal virus would do to your body, would make you become immune to it, it seems like that this bioweapon is just strange enough that at least my body is not fighting it very well. And I can give you some definitive results as far as how it worked for me. I didn't realize that since I got COVID the first time, and that was in 2020, that I've said several times during shows that I'm just not getting my work done, and it's hard to focus. And I've had many people contact me and say that they had the same symptoms. Well, I've got to say that about two weeks ago, it was like I woke up from a sleep. I didn't realize how much of a brain fog that that COVID had put over me. I guess I couldn't see the forest for the trees. But several weeks ago, I woke up and I was focused and I was ready and I was motivated. And I thought, wow, I haven't felt like this for, well, since I had COVID. And I've felt good ever since. We're seeing the, re we're seeing the rest of the world. Then I started looking back over the last two years of things that have happened to me that aren't normal, like missing gigs and missing my grandson's birthday and things that just I normally wouldn't do. And I was afraid I was starting to get some dementia of some sort because there are lots of things that happened that were really disturbing me. But now I think I found out what was my problem. Now I'm not one to put out blame just willy-nilly and I don't look for scapegoats. When I make a mistake, I own up to it. But it was like someone threw a switch and shut me off. And then several weeks ago, that switch was turned back on. And I think it was because of the NAC and bromelain. And everybody's going to be different, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to tell you to take it. But I think you should look into it. I think it's worth your time. Look up the combination of NAC and bromelain. If you've had COVID, if you feel wrung out and you're not able to focus, I really do believe that this COVID gives you one heck of a brain fog. And it's really odd because I've read many times over the last couple of years that one of the main symptoms of COVID is brain fog. And I guess I had so much brain fog I couldn't put two and two together and be able to realize that, yes, indeed, the brain fog is very real and it's very destructive and I have to say it's embarrassing. And in my case, it cost me some work because I simply didn't have my days right. So it seems to me there is something to the NAC and bromelain as far as my body chemistry is concerned. And so I think that anyone that has to be out in public and you're apt to run into someone who's recently vaccinated or has been boosted, I think having some NAC and bromelain in your medicine cabinet is a good idea. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you to take it but I do think it's worth looking into. Now, along with my music, I also have sound gear because I had an active sound company for several years, and I still have all the sound gear. And I decided to make my farmstead basically like a county fairgrounds with a paging system. I have horn-style speakers, the type that they use in paging systems. I have those pointed at strategic locations where I work. And then I can go into the studio, and then I can put on anything I want to listen to, and I can listen to it all over the property. And there's several hours between the first half of the show and the second half of the show as far as taping it, 
The day was nice, and I just couldn't sit here and record, so I had to get some physical work done. Well, while I did that, I put on some really nice old-time gospel music, and I had that going across the corrals because I was working over at my workshop, and the cows happened to be between the studio and the workshop, and so I aimed the speaker right over the top of the cow herd, and they got to listen to gospel music all day. And I noticed that those cows, once I started the music, they all really paid attention. They looked to see where the noise was coming from. And then they just laid down and quietly chewed their cud all day, just listening to the music. So I guess there is something about animals being able to enjoy music. And it was a very peaceful day, listening to beautiful gospel music, watching the cows enjoy it. And I know that sounds a little odd, but... My cows are generally pretty restless during the day this time of year, especially since I'm feeding them rough feed and they're smelling some green grass, and so they like to complain that they are not getting what they want. But not today. They seemed very content. As a matter of fact, I've shut the music off for the night, but the cows are still just there, happy as can be, so I guess there's something to that. So again, you don't have to worry about me too much, because, like I say, I do know how to detox myself from this crazy world. Well, I talked about us becoming a third world country. And to be honest with you, the third world people, on lots of ways, have us beat. They don't have what we have, and so they have to do with what they have. And they're very good at doing that. And one of the things that the third world countries have done is taken regular bicycles and turn them into motorbikes whether it be gasoline or electric. And I've been watching all sorts of videos of these different bicycle kits, and so I decided that I was sick of pedaling my bike. And for those of you who don't know, I put up hay in the summer, and this year I've got an extra couple hundred acres to put up. And so my antique machinery has really got a lot cut out for it this summer. And as a side note, my baler turns 76 years old this year, and I've already went up and bailed some of last year's hay that was still standing that never got cut down. I'm cutting it down and baling it now to get through the winter as far as cow feed. And so the baler is starting year number 76, and it's working like a champ. I went out and bailed about 300 bales the other day, and it's just working fine. So that good old American workmanship and American materials really do stand the test of time, unlike a lot of the imported things that are just made to sell and made to fail. But the third world countries, they know how to do things that we won't do. Look at Cuba. They're experts at keeping these old cars running. And if the engines go bad in the cars, they're experts at engine swaps. And they can make their own suspension parts. And I've been watching videos of people in India making computer parts, basically, in their driveway. It sounds crazy, but these people are very skilled. There's one guy that's in the business of taking batteries apart, and he literally cuts the top off of a battery, and he takes all of the guts of the battery, and he separates it all, cleans it all, refurbishes it, puts it back together, solders all the different plates in the battery, makes new battery posts, he makes them himself, then he solders them in, and then he loads everything back in the battery case, then he repairs the plastic battery case, and when he's done, he has a brand new battery. It takes him about three hours per battery. But he seems awful busy, 
and he's doing it on his front step of his house. And so things like that are things we don't see here. But one thing that really caught my eye were the bicycles. And so I went ahead and bought one of these motorbike kits. And you can buy them all day long for about 80 bucks. But I don't recommend that because the ones you get for $80 are, well, they're cheap. They're made to sell. They probably will function okay. But who knows how long they'll function. And the mounting bolts and everything on the real cheap ones, they seem to be very cheap. And so I looked into the expensive kits, and the expensive ones are, oh, about $200. You can buy them on sale for 180 and they go up to about 300 and some dollars if you want to get a racing-style bicycle going. But if you just want something to sputter around with, one of these 150 to $200 kits seems to be about right. Now, in full disclosure, I bought mine for 117 because it was normally 150 and they had it on sale. And I got the package all right, and everything looks great, and the mounting hardware seems to be pretty sturdy, and the motor looks good, and I got about three zillion parts in these boxes, and no instructions. Well, I guess guys don't need instructions anyway, do they? <laughs> well, yes, they do. But, fortunately, there's lots of videos online that tells you step-by-step step of how to make your bicycle into a motorized bike. But getting back to my hay fields, I have to move machinery sometimes 10 miles between fields. I simply take a bicycle on the tractor, move the tractor to the new field with the implement, then I ride the bike back to the field I just finished, and then move another tractor. And then at the end of the day, I simply ride the bike home. Then I can take a car or a truck to the field after I get my machinery moved. But moving the machinery is very tedious. And come July and August, when it's over 100 degrees, and I've lifted bales all day, and I'm sweaty, and I'm tired, and I'm feeling my age, I look at a bicycle, and I have to pedal it 10 miles. Nah. That didn't really sound very appetizing this year. And so I have an old 1958, yes, everything I have is old. I have a 1958 Schwinn Spitfire that I've had for years. And I'm revamping the old Schwinn Spitfire and making it into a motorbike. And so far, so good. I got the motor put on and I got the fuel tank put on. I got the chain measured and made it the correct length, have it on there. And I have the rear sprocket put on the rear wheel. Now a Schwinn Spitfire is not really built to have one of these motors, and so I'm going to have to fabricate one motor mount because Schwinns do not have a V-frame, and you have to have a V-frame on your bike if you want to buy a kit that you just bolt it in and go. But I started thinking that it would be kind of interesting to talk about this during the show because they get at a minimum 75 miles to the gallon, and I've heard of people getting as much as 120 miles to the gallon. And depending on the rear sprocket of how many teeth, if you want to go really fast, you can get something that won't climb hills and won't have a lot of power. But once you get it going, you can get these up to 35 and 40 miles an hour if you want to. Now, that's if you have a sprocket that's in the 30s, somewhere around 32 to 36. And if you're in hills or mountains, of course, you're going to want to have a 50 or more tooth sprocket because you won't have enough power to climb a hill with a sprocket that only has 30-some teeth on it. So I kind of split the difference. I got a sprocket with 44 teeth, and it'll top out at probably 32 to 33 miles an hour. 
And when I'm pedaling a bike, I don't know how fast I'm going. Not very fast. Well, like I say, it's a 1958 single-speed bicycle. And it wasn't built to go fast pedaling. It was just built to go out and ride. It was built just to go out and pleasure ride. It really wasn't designed to go long distances. But the frame is sturdy and rugged. And so far, this bike kit looks like it's just a really good match for this bike. If you've ever seen pictures of the old motorbikes when they first started putting motors on bicycles back, oh, about 1905, 1910, the early motorcycles, that's what my Schwinn looks like. And I went with the two-cycle engine. You can get the four-cycle engines, but after doing the research, I decided the two-cycle would be probably more economical. And there's a person that always is cleaning out a storage bin. And when he finds things he no longer wants, he just puts it out by his mailbox and puts a free sign out there. And, of course, I drove to town. I had to buy some cow feed. And there sat a nice child's wagon that the wheels were off of it. Of course, it was for free. And immediately I thought, ah, with my motorbike, I can make a little trailer. And that way I can haul baling twine to the field. And if I want to go to town just to buy a bag of dog food or a bag of chicken food, and just buy a 50-pound bag, that'll lay right in that wagon, and I'm going to make it a two-wheel wagon and get rid of the front two wheels and make it a true trailer. And so I have all sorts of little things that I'm trying to get done, and that's on top of everything that's not getting done. But like I say, I'm feeling better, and so I'm starting to see my way through some of this menagerie of machinery that seems to always need maintenance. But I think that having one of these bikes... As an emergency vehicle, if we do lose the ability to get gasoline, if you have something that's going to get around 100 miles to the gallon, that's going to be able to go faster than someone can run if someone's chasing you, well, that might be something to look into. Now, I have to say that if you're not mechanically inclined, do not buy one or hire someone to build it for you, especially if you get one like me that they didn't put any instructions in. But this thing came totally torn down. And really the only thing that was really assembled was the motor. But all the nuts and bolts and screws and springs and cables and electronics and everything, they're just in one big bag of parts with no explanation of what goes where or how to put it on. But like I say, I go on the internet and find someone who's been nice enough to put a video up. Unfortunately, there's nobody that's put a motor on a Schwinn Spitfire that I can see. And so I have to invent my own motor mount, but I pretty well got that figured out already. It's going to take a couple hours to do, but I think it'll work just fine. And they seem to be street legal everywhere. But I would recommend that if you're going to be going 30 miles an hour, that take it from me, you don't want to have a head injury. And so I am going to get a helmet. Now, just for riding a bike around, you know, helmets are fine. I don't, nothing against helmets. I just don't really care for them. If I'm going to be going between 20 and 30 miles an hour, I think that's a different story. Because I certainly don't want another head injury. I've already done that and been there, got the t-shirt and the whole nine yards. and I've also got the memory loss to prove it. And so having massive concussions, that's kind of the gift that keeps giving. And so I would recommend highly that you get probably a motorcycle helmet. I'm not going to get one of those small bike helmets. I'm going to go ahead and get a motorcycle helmet. But I'm looking forward to this year's hay season. Now, I realized last year, 
As I look at the shape that my machinery was in when I started fixing it up here last month, and looking at how I piled my hay, and looking at some of the fields, how I actually did my work, I can tell there was something wrong with me. It's not that I have the highest standards in the world, because I don't, but I do have my own standards, and I didn't meet them last year. Matter of fact, it looked like I didn't even try. And as I think back to last year, all I could think about was just getting done. I didn't really enjoy what I did. I really didn't focus on what I was doing. All I was focusing on was getting done. And my work really looked like that was the case. And so this year, I'm looking forward to a much better year. And I've been able to upgrade some of my equipment. Now, to me, an upgrade is buying something out of the 1980s or 1970s. And I did buy something out of the 1970s that I used to have back in the 1970s and really loved it. But I haven't been able to find one for under three or $4,000. And that's an international nine-foot balanced head sickle mower. And they're still highly respected. And you see them on a machinery lot. And they want anywhere from 3500 to 5000 for one of those. And I happened to be at a farm sale at the right time, the right place, and I got one that works great for $200. So that was probably the best $200 I've spent in a long time. And speaking of sales, I went to a sale about 20 years ago, and I bought $283 worth of things at the sale. But for that $283, I hauled out seven pickup loads and a pickup box trailer. And so the equivalent of 14 pickup loads I hauled out of there. I didn't have to buy nuts or bolts for years. I didn't have to buy grease for years. It was an estate sale, and the people just wanted their parents' things sold. They didn't care if they made any money. And it was very sad because this old couple had built up quite a farm, and they had over a million dollars worth of equipment. They had all the hog equipment. If you wanted to feed hogs out, they had a commercial chicken business to where their family farm provided eggs to about 12 or 13 big grocery stores. And so they handled hundreds of eggs a day. They were really set up to do a lot of things, but all of their equipment was out of the 1950s and 1960s. And this sale was around 2003, 2004. And nobody wanted this old equipment. And so it was selling for next to nothing. I bought a loader for a tractor, a full-size loader for a full-size tractor, with the bucket and with two different attachments. And I paid $5 for the whole thing. And metal price for that was probably $200 just to melt it down. And so when I say I spent $280 and bought that many pickup loads of things, I'm not exaggerating. This should have been a three-day sale with three different auctioneers, but it was a one-day sale with a small auction company that just had two guys auctioning, and if someone raised their hand and bid on it one time, they'd say, sold, and move on. But I have to say that to this very day, that sale is helping me. Now, at this sale, I bought a grain auger, an auger tube that you use to fill your grain bins, and the tires were good and the auger's good, But they had a motor that ran the auger, and it's a Briggs & Stratton Model 23A cast iron engine. And when I got it home, it didn't have any compression. And so it's been out sitting with all my machinery. 
since 2004 or whenever I got it home. And I decided to make my own generator, and that's the motor I decided to use, so I thought, well, I'll just rebuild that motor. Well, I did some research and found out that most likely what was happening was simply a valve was stuck open. And I pulled the heads off, and sure enough, there was a valve stuck, the exhaust valve, and so I put some penetrating oil on it and tapped it a little bit and freed it up, and everything looked like it was going to work just fine. And, and so I went ahead and put it together and took the carburetor apart and cleaned all the gunk out of it and got everything all ready to go. And today was the big test to see if I had anything or not. I went through and checked the points and cleaned them up and just kind of did a general cleanup of it. And I put some gravel in the gas tank and shook it around for a few minutes and to knock any scale that the gas tank had. And surprisingly, there was really nothing in the gas tank that got knocked loose. So the gas tank is in good shape. But I gave myself two or three hours to work on it to see if I could get it to run. And for me, this is rare. The first pull, that thing roared back to life. It didn't throw out any smoke. And it idled. It just went but 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 but, and I hadn't changed the oil yet. But I did look at the oil, and the oil looked really good. It smelled good. Didn't smell old at all. So I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and just listen to it run for a while. So I listened for 30 minutes, and it was steady as a rock. It didn't miss, spit, backfire. It just was a steady but 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 but, and I couldn't be happier. I'm going to couple that with a 24 volt alternator. And I'm going to use that to charge my battery banks when the sun doesn't shine. And also, we're having this horrible drought here. And we've had rain clouds go over and tease us, but we never get anything. And the pastures are so dry that when it does warm up, I think that they're just going to kind of shrink the grass right back into the ground. And so I want to irrigate at night. When you're totally off-grid like me, irrigating at night is not really that good of an idea just for the fact that you're going to run out of power. Even if you have a massive battery bank, it's going to run you out of power eventually. But once I get my little motor hooked up to my alternator, and I can keep those batteries charged, I'm going to buy a big enough pulley, and so I'm going to use gearing instead of revving the motor to get the speed that I need to generate some electricity out of the alternator. And I'm going to let it run as slow as I can, and I won't use that much gas, and I can irrigate all night. And I can tell you right now that motor was extremely well maintained, just like everything I got from that sale. And I got an extra engine that I got from that sale, and I paid a dollar for it. And it has no compression either, and it's the exact same make and model of engine. And so I think, well, I'm going to tear it apart and have a spare. But I think that we all need to start thinking outside of the box. That's why I'm telling you these stories. Is we all need to understand that there's no cavalry coming over the hill. And we have to be self-sufficient, and we can't let anything stop us. As a matter of fact, right outside of my studio, and my studio is in my livestock barn. I have my door open right now, just because it's such a nice day and everybody's being quiet. I'm looking out at a 1901 Studebaker single-horse-drawn buggy, and I've got everything but the harness and the horse. i got the hitch, and the wagon's in great shape. And it just sits there ready to go. So I'm one of those kooks that is prepared for anything and everything. And last year I was training some of my Scottish Highlanders to be oxen. And I'm still going to finish out two of them. 
because I'm stubborn enough that no one's going to stop me from getting my work done, no matter what I have to do. And I'm afraid that our leadership in this country, or lack of, is steering us right into being a third world country. And if we're using our money to buy our way through life, I think that we're all in trouble. That's one thing I can say about me not having a lot of money. It sure taught me how to get by with little or nothing. And I'm really good at that. And I normally don't want to toot my own horn very much. But I have to say that I'm the person I would want to be with if I was in a hopeless emergency situation. Because to me, hopeless means it's going to take me an extra hour or so to get it done. It's not that my work is perfect, but I do seem to be able to figure out ways outside of the box to get things done. And I think that's a trait that we all need to develop to the utmost. Because we've had banks fail, and they're continuing to fail. We have countries that are going to shut off the dollar, so we're going to be flooded with U.S. dollars. So inflation's going to eat whatever spending power we have. And if you don't have it in your possession, chances are real good within six months you're not going to be able to get it. I know I've been one of those that for the last year and a half I've been saying, Get ready, prepare. The things are going to get rough. And things are getting very rough. Just not as fast as I thought that they would. Thank God for that. It's given us a lot more time. But also, it's happened slow enough that it's put a lot of people back asleep. And so you have to wake yourself back up. Be prepared to do anything you need to do. So I'd look into one of these motorized bikes as an alternative way to get around at least as a hobby, you might enjoy it. Well, the show has been kind of all over the map, and I hope that someone got something from this show today. I always enjoy my visits with you, and I appreciate you tuning in. And also, I have to tell you that this show is only available because of generous donations from you, the listener. And donations have been down because of the economy, and that's understandable. But if you could pitch in a few dollars here and there, that would really add up and really help. And I take checks money orders and cash and you would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media and you would mail to Thunderbolt West Media P.O. Box 163 P.O. Box 163 Hershey, Nebraska Hershey, Nebraska and the zip code is 69143 Again, thanks for listening and until next time learn how to think outside the box Get creative, stay vigilant, keep your powder dry, but most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.